first Sunday of 2019. Uh, the Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord is good. And I, as I said, I, I am feeling His fire and the Holy Spirit just burning in our hearts to just challenge us to, uh, to make a difference in 2019. I want to minister to you today on a message called Choosing the Best, Letting Go of Distractions. Choosing the Best by Letting Go of the Distractions. We all deal with mental clutter. Amen and oh me, both. Which many times makes it hard to focus, doesn't it? On situations, lives, decisions. Uh, you remember I've been sharing with you that I felt, I don't know if it's inspired more than motivated to clean my office, which I had not seen really the, the part of my office in probably a year. And I work out of piles. There's one, two, three piles on my desk and then one behind me, and then over my computer station, there's one, two, three, four piles there, so do the math. Piles, I worked out of piles, and if Sylvia ever gets inspired or a spirit of meddling comes on her or whatever it is, that she arranges stuff, I said, don't move anything. I know right where it is, so please don't do that. Uh, I've yet to get the home thing done, so we're working towards that. So I said, well, yeah, you've been... But anyway, I came to a place that I had to do something in my office, in order to get rid of the clutter, in order to, in the shelves, stuff was like literally crawling out of the shelves. Books were sideways. Papers were hanging out. It was, it was, I was embarrassed and Sylvia was really embarrassed for anybody to come to my office. So got, got it motivated. So now I can see what I have. I can see where I am in the office and I can see what I, what I need to accomplish. And I'm, the challenge is keep it that way. But now I have a better focus on what needs to be attended to. I have my appointments there, and I have projects and calls to make and ministry to do. Mental distractions. Even sitting here right now, we're not going to take a show of hands, but I know you have had mental distractions. You're wondering about where am I going to eat, where and what are we going to eat for lunch. I'd like to recommend fasting. <laughs> Just a consideration. Uh, what are we going to do this afternoon? For those of you that are going to have to work today or go back tomorrow, it's what do I need to do to get ready. For those of you that are going to leave for school, it's like what do I need to take and what I need to, what I need to convince mom and dad they don't need here at the house so I can take with me to be more like home, all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it, or some of you are distracted. It's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. It's always that battle going on. Uh, and, and where is so-and-so and why aren't they here today? And, and then uh, why are, we look over and we say, well, why are they wearing that today to church? And that must have been a Christmas gift, and they're trying to appease the giver of that gift who's sitting next to them or will go out and see them in it. Hmm. It's a fight to focus and stay focused in the world that we live in. And I've noticed it's increasingly more difficult to stay focused because of all the distractions the enemy and the world are using to bombard us with. Amen? The focus in the 21 days of prayer and fasting is getting rid of the distractions that are hindering us. It's a time to hopefully kind of slow down a little bit, to kind of clear the, the situation, clear our lifestyle a little bit. And I realize things have to go on, work and, and school and studying and all of those things have to go on. But during the fast, that's a time that we're supposed to kind of try to get rid of distractions, examine our life, do what, do what Psalms says, and, and just, Lord, search me and try me and see if there's something in me that needs to be dealt with. Because I promise you, there is. There's something there 
at least a one-something there that the Lord would like to deal with you about during this fasting. Distraction. It comes from a Latin word formed in the 1590s. It means to be pulled apart, a separating, a drawing of the mind in different directions, a tearing, a pulling of the mind. It, the, James calls it the, un, the, 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 two, the, the un, unstable mind, the mind that's torn in two ways, the distraction. Your spiritual enemy, which is the devil in every force of hell, his goal, their goal is to try to distract you and I from living for things that matter most. That's his goal. He's always after you. It's nonstop. It's every day. It's all day. It's into the night. He even harasses some of you in your dreams. He's constantly after us. Now, that's not good news, but the good news is that we have authority over him through Jesus. We can put a stop to that. Every night, our last prayer before we go to sleep as we lay in bed is, Lord, your word says you give your beloved sleep and you cause our sleep to be sweet. And we invite the angels to come in this atmosphere and keep us and watch over us during this night and deliver us from all evil. Let our dreams be upon you and our thoughts be upon you, Lord. And I snore all night long. And the effort of the enemy is to pull apart, to divide our mind, to discourage our soul, to disengage your faith and distract you from the things that matter most. Now listen to this next statement. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can just distract you. He doesn't have to wipe you out. He's just got to get you focused on what doesn't really matter and distract you. And that's what, listen, that's what everything in this world is trying to do to us. That's what some, a lot of the challenges, a lot of the problems, a lot of the politics, a lot of the news. I know the news is important. I listen to the news to know how to pray, but a lot of times you can't get the real news anymore, but to listen to it, to know how to pray, but all of that can be a distraction. If the enemy can distract us, eventually he's going to neutralize you, and when he neutralizes you, then he can end up destroying you, or either you will disqualify yourself from what the Lord has for you. In Luke chapter 10, it mentions the two sisters that were hosting Jesus in their home for a dinner. They were Mary, Martha, and they had a brother, Lazarus, who was the one that Jesus raised from the dead. And in Luke 10, beginning verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted, whoa, there's that word, by all the preparation that had to be made. Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get up off of her lazy and help me. That's not in the Bible, but Martha probably said that, something like that. Martha always gets a bad rap, okay? But if it wasn't for the Marthas in your life today, the doors wouldn't have been open when you showed up. If you came to a school of ministry class, the coffee wouldn't have been made. If you, if you, uh, you know, came to do anything here today, if it wasn't for the Marthas, there still would be leaves all over the front step and the side. Because these, guys, these people come here and they do all kinds of things before you're ever here to do things. They're Marthas. They're servants. They, wanna, they serve to make sure things are right. They make sure the building's ready. They make sure everything's prepared. If you didn't have Marthas, your clothes wouldn't be washed. Your food wouldn't be cooked. Marthas are very important. So we always give Martha a bad rap. We've got to have Marthas, but we also have to balance between the Martha and the Mary. Okay? Martha didn't do bad things. Jesus' response to Martha in verse 41 was this. It was a, yeah, it was a response of his love to her. He said, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed and indeed only one. Martha has chosen, I'm sorry, Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. What's better is better than what's just good. What Martha was doing was good. She was preparing for the Lord. She was concerned of what he was going to eat, what all the other guests were going to eat. And she was scurrying around making sure the dishes were clean, wipe yesterday's lunch off the plates. I don't know if they had forks or what they used, but, you know, make sure everything clean. Jesus could have said, few things are important and necessary to really matter most. Mary's chosen to do what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. Everything Martha was doing, it was temporary. But what Mary was doing, being at the feet of Jesus, was much more fulfilling and more permanent. It would change Mary's life for the rest of her life. What Martha was doing wasn't bad. Martha had a good heart, good intentions. Jesus said she was distracted. Jesus said it. she was distracted. What are distractions for you and me? Well, our phone dings. Uh, we get another email, text, app just posted, messenger just sent us a message that so-and-so, you know, is talking to you and and I've still yet to figure that out sometimes. I, I, I've got to, and we cry out, well, I've got to check my social media and see if i got responses. And I've got to get the kids to practice. And, oh, wow, I've got to feed them before practice. I forgot about that. And, and before we get there, and well, what about my shoes? And how do they look? And do I match? And am I going to get out of the restaurant? Or am I going to get out of the car to go in the restaurant? What are people going to think if I show up looking like this? And Martha, 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 you're so distracted. You're only a few things really matter. Martha wasn't doing anything bad or wrong, but she wasn't doing what was best. Excuse me, man, I'm sorry. Uh, ten te- 14 texts. Merlin, Richardson, throw down offering. Okay, got it. Norman, please let me know what those strategies are. Tom, Billy. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. I got... Sometimes the most difficult choices aren't between good and bad, but between good and the best. If the enemy can't make you do bad, he will attempt to distract you away from using your life, its energy, your gifts, your talents, everything the Lord has put in you to try to get you to fail in honoring the Lord and making an eternal difference while you're on planet Earth. How do we, with the help of the Lord, choose what's best? The first thing is to learn to diminish the distractions. What does that mean? Learn to distance yourself from that which tempts you from being distracted. 1 Corinthians 7.35, Paul talks about marriage. We use the scripture mostly for marriage, but it can be applied to other areas of our life. Paul says it this way, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you, He said, I'm not telling you this to try to cramp your style or hinder you. He said, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. Wow, it even says that. With as few distractions as possible, Paul says, I want to help you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best. Best is not accepting average, mundane, normal, mediocre but what helps us to serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. 
And we need with all of our heart at the beginning of 2019 to make up our mind that we are going to identify the distractions that the enemy and our flesh and the world wants to pull us, suck us into that are going to hinder us from doing God's best for us and to affect the lives of other people for eternity. Amen. Are you with us? Are you with that? Because every force in hell is out to distract you from what matters the most, and the enemy uses many things and many people in order to accomplish distraction in our lives. And there are many, uh, there are many distractions, but in today's culture, there's something that also resides with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the mobile phone. For thousands of years, mankind has existed, accomplished much without the cell phone. Yes, there are a lot of wonderful uses for this. It helps me to contact, stay in contact with my wife to find out what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to be. I have a calendar in here. I live by it. It helps me to contact some of you, either texting and calling. I told first service, there's a brother that comes to first service. Uh, he was sick. He's on our prayer list. I meant to call him yesterday but got busy, and I said, reminded this morning because he's usually here very early before first service. I called him. I said, I heard you're not feeling well. I said, I wanted to call you and let you know I'm sorry. Sorry, you're not feeling good. We're praying for you. And I actually got to talk to his son and got information. Esther, you need to ask me about it. And uh, up to, I think I sent you an email already. But see, that's the good of it. We can communicate easier. But there's a lot of distraction that this brings into our life. Now, I'm not here today to bash media, your media, my media. I'm not here to bash it. We do need to learn how to discipline ourselves in the use of it. But uh, the average person, they say, cannot go 10 minutes without checking their media device. Some of you are not average. Some of you can't go one minute without checking your media device. If you wonder why you're not as productive as you used to be or could be, should be, or why your relationships are suffering and not as intimate as they once were, could be, and you're not as close to God as you'd like to be or once were, it could be that you can't do anything meaningful without being interrupted every few minutes to stare at one of these devices. I admit I have a problem with this thing. In the morning, it's plugged in in the kitchen. And when I go to do my devotions in the morning, I take it with me because invariably, how many of you when you're praying, you're reminded I need to do something? It's either talk to somebody, make an appointment, call to check with the doctor, get something here. I take it with me because I use the calendar. And after I'm through with my devotions, I do look at texts and emails. But the temptation is always to start here. And if you ever, I don't know about you, but for me, if I ever start here, it distracts me from here and the prayer. Well, good, I'm not alone, but bad, we're all there together. So I am... I'm having to discipline myself even stronger because some days I'm better than others. Some days I'm not good. Some days I, I you know, I lay it face down and, and I have a Bible app on it. And, and I don't, I read through a hardcover Bible, but sometimes I check what this one says. But I lay it down, but mine's always on vibrate. It doesn't ring. It started to beep and do other weird things. I lay it down face down. But when it vibrates or dings, I'm going text, email, message. Oh, it's, a, it's an app from Darren on the WOW app. Oh, it's a YouTube update. Oh, the weather, there's some kind of special weather. What's going to happen out there today? 
Anybody there with me? Am I the only one? Distraction. I lay it down, but it vibrates. I'm, always, I'm tempted. Tempted to look. I'm not against social media. I'm just saying we need to let that not be a distraction. Did you know the average person spends two hours per day on social media? And if you're young and you're here today, by, if you will spend, if you're young and you're here today, you're going to end up spending over seven years of your life tapping, scrolling, checking, flicking, typing. See, some of you are doing it right now. I mean, we want you to use your mobile device to, to, to keep up with us in service. But if you're sitting there getting message from somebody, you are. If you're sending messages to somebody, you are. And you're missing what the Lord has for you. Your life is too valuable. And your calling is too great. And your God is too good for you to spend your, to waste your life with things that don't really matter. That was Martha's issue. It was good, but it wasn't the best. God is giving gifts, callings, passions. God has put you as a human being on this planet right at this time in history because he has a calling, a gifting for you, and you're the one that can fill that and best glorify the Lord and help people and find a meaningful purpose of your life. Martha, Fred, Sally, Eugene, Herman, whatever your name is today, you are distracted about so many things, but so, and so few things really matter. So the call, I believe, from the Holy Spirit to us collectively, to me too, hey, this is as much for me as it is for you today. I mean that very sincerely. Why not determine during this fast? That you're going to become less distracted by every distraction. Not just social media. But work. But, but problems. But issues and challenges. That hit you. That things come to you. Messages come to you. Situations come to you. That try to take you away from being intimately connected with both the people that really matter in your life. And with the Lord who has some amazing plans for your life in 2019. I believe God's got some incredible things in store for us individually and us collectively here at World Outreach Worship Center for 2019. Listen, we're living in a day like no other day in history. First century church they, and, and, and the Old Testament, they long to look into these days. We're living in the last days of fulfillment of prophetic action in the Bible. How we need to deal with these distractions, you need to treat every distraction like, you would, like it's a temptation to sin. Build into yourself, that's a distraction. It's a sin for me to look at that phone while I'm having devotions to God. It's a sin. Just a, that's, that's a sin for me to put that above Him. Reading His Word, praying, talking, communicating with Him. When we go out for dinner, for meals, Sylvia says, this is our time together. Put the phone up. And I, and I still don't do it successfully all the time. Because sometimes I've been so busy doing other things, I hadn't had time to catch up on text, on emails, and most of mine, honestly, legitimately is business, church-related or people-related. It, it legitimately is. She said, you can do it later. And I lay the phone down on the table, and it vibrates, and I, she said, put the phone up. And I'm having to learn. I'm, I don't have it down. I'm having to learn. It's a distraction. And we need, we need to be able to do that. 
Treat it as if it's a sin, a temptation to sin. We need to do what Solomon says to do in Proverbs 5, 8 about dealing with an immoral, let me say it this way, person that would try to seduce us, okay? Women always get the bad rap. But Proverbs 5, 8, Solomon talks about dealing with a person that's immoral, that's trying to seduce us. And he doesn't say, Solomon does not say this. To, to say to that person, well, let's just go out together and have a little drink together and let's just talk and get to know each other first. That's not what he said. Solomon did not say, well, let's just hang out at your house and see if some chemistry happens between us. That's not what he said. Solomon says, no. Solomon says, stay away from her house. Or don't go near the door of her house. Stay away. Avoid anything that you think is going to be a distraction for you. That is the easy way to nip it in the bud because once you get into it and you look... It's like Eve in the garden. Hey, the apple tasted pretty good and it looked pretty good to me, Adam. Here, take a bite. Once you get into it, it's hard to get out of it. Don't act innocent. Don't get close to that. That's going to distract you. That's the easiest way to deal with it. If you, you know, I know some of you are here today or watching. You think you're super Christian. You think you're so liberated and, and you, you know, you're just, you're, you're, well, I don't believe in all that stuff and living that kind of life. You think you can hang around with people that are immoral and do, the, and do the living on the edge thing. But I'm telling you, if you do, you probably will be more tempted to compromise and more likely to end up falling into sin and destroying both your testimony and forfeiting your intimacy with the Lord. Question, is it worth it? So treat distraction like you would treat a sin. 1 John 2 says this, don't love the evil world or the things in it. Listen to this next sentence. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. This is all there is in the world, wanting to please our sinful selves, wanting the sinful thing to see, being too proud of what we have, the love of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But he goes on to say, none of these things come from God. Well, if they don't come from God, then what do you as a child of God want to have anything to do with it for? Because all it's going to do is take you down and hinder you and be a distraction. He said they come from the world. The world's passing away. I've been telling you that. Everything you got for Christmas, you better hurry up and enjoy it because it's passing away. The money's going to run out. The gift card's going to be spent. The cake's going to be gone. You know, whatever it is. The clothes are going to wear out, whatever. It's passing away. I'm not trying to kill your fun, but it's passing away. And all the things that people want in the world, it's passing away. I know that's not encouraging, but it's true. But here's the good news. But whoever does what God wants will live forever. So the Bible tells us to do some things. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Anything that looks like, smells like, hints of, you're weak at, can't resist, stay away from it. Abstain from it. 1 Thessalonians 5.22. It says avoid fornication. Avoiding adultery would be a good thing too. Lying, cheating, those would be good things to avoid too because the Bible says that anybody who participates in those things, they will not find their place in, in the book of life but in the lake of fire. I want to go there. 1 Corinthians 7, 12, 2. Avoid foolish questions and genealogies that gender strife. Talk about the things that edify and build up people and lift up Jesus. Get off the things that are questionable. And Here's some practical suggestions to diminish distractions in your life. Delete the app. If it's giving you a problem, delete it. I've deleted, well, I haven't totally gotten my, rid of my account in Facebook, but I took the app off, and I keep getting messages from certain people. And, I, and at times I read what they're saying, but I don't respond anymore. And I need, to, I need somebody to help me go in there 
and get rid of Facebook. Totally. I don't want it anymore. We were uh, with uh, Thanksgiving with my brother, and one of the friends he has come over is with FBI. And I know this is true with all the social media. But he said, Facebook and some of the other social media, he said, he said, you need to get away from it. He said, you really need to get away from it. He said, you're revealing stuff. They can go in and check stuff out. And I, you probably know this. I just said, you know, that did it. That did it. And uh, it's amazing on Facebook what people will tell on Facebook that never tell you to your face. It's amazing. The intimacy is like too much information. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be, dis I'm sorry, back up to Proverbs. Let me back up a little bit. So distract, uh, delete stuff. Get rid of it. It's, if it's an idol, if it's a distraction, make up your mind. During this first part of the year, I'm cutting that out of my life. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to some of you today. And actually, the Holy Spirit's already been talking to you, but you didn't like what he said because you like what you're doing. But I'm telling you today, I'm not here to comfort you. I love you, but I'm here to tell you the truth today. You need to cut the distractions away. And that's what the purpose of the fast is, to help us to be sensitive that, Lord, show me what I need to do or either begin doing in order to honor you greater, better. You know, we're called to love all people as God's people, but there's some situations and things we need to unhook ourselves from. You heard me say it uh, last Sunday. You heard Dr. Lee preach it, New Year's Eve service. We need to unhook ourselves from some emotional baggage Hurts, wounds of years ago, and even current. We need to unhook ourselves. Randy Clark, that was a powerful word. He gave Sylvia and I as we were leaving Brazil that, that day. He said there's things uh, that have happened. And he said there's people and there's situations that have happened. And God is showing me you need to unhook yourself from it. That doesn't mean I don't love the people. It just means I unhook myself from the bad emotions that situations have caused and created. And man, what a liberating word. You cannot go into 2019 and do what God wants you to do, carrying the baggage of 2018. It's like dragging a dead body. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, He that walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Talking about relationships. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 said, Don't be deceived, evil communications. What is communications? It's not just talk. It's communion and friendships. But evil communications, it corrupts good manners, morals, and habits. You cannot live the right life when you hang or run with the wrong people. You can't do it. You may even be dating a distraction. Because that relationship is distracting you from fully walking with the Lord because you're unequally yoked. You love the Lord. You want to go deeper in the Lord. They're going, hey, I don't know about that church thing. I don't know about Jesus. And you're thinking, well, he sure is cute or she sure is beautiful. That may be on the outside, but inside they may not be so cute and beautiful. You're not in agreement. You're unequally yoked. You may be dating a distraction. Now, if you married a distraction, that's going to take you some in-depth prayer. You can't just ditch Okay, But if you're dating a distraction or you have a friendship or a relationship, you need to hit the delete button and let God upgrade who's in your life. Okay? It is a fight to focus, but the fight is worth it to stay focused on what is best 
and God has for your life. Second way to deal with the distractions is number is to focus on the important. First is diminish distractions. Secondly, focus on the important. Proverbs 4, 25, 26 says this, set your gaze on the path before you. Fix your eyes, set your gaze, get your vision straight. And it says, with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. That comes from the Passion Translation. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. It's kind of like if you can get a picture of a, the racehorse, the, the racehorses that pull the Surrey, the little buggy type thing in the Surrey races. And, so, and the racehorses, they have a goal in mind. It's big money to win. Listen, you and I, you and I may not have big money, but you and I have a big goal to win. It's the, it's the prize of the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And you and I need to put spiritual blinders on that I don't care what the world's doing. I don't care what the rest of my family's doing. I love them, but I'm not letting them distract me. I've got spiritual blinders on me. I am focusing on Jesus. And that's what Proverbs 4 is telling you. Look straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Hebrews 2, 12, 2, 12, 2 tells us this. We look away from the natural or the carnal realm. We fasten our gaze on Jesus. You can't watch people. No matter how you love them, no matter how much of an inspiration they are for you, if you watch people long enough, they will disappoint you. You must keep your gaze on Jesus. You can't keep it on news. You can't keep it on leaders. Uh, you have to keep it on Jesus who fixed, who birthed, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward. I said this in the first service. The only direction you and I are called in as a child of God to move is forward. We're not called to hold still and move laterally. That is called compromise. And you're not called to move back. That's called backsliding. The only position and the only direction you and I call is to move forward, to press on to the prize of the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, to set our goal. You've got to set your gaze on Jesus. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to make choices. You have to focus and have your gaze fixed on the purpose that's most important for your life, doing what God has best for you. As long as Peter kept his focus on Jesus, Peter walked on the water. Listen, don't cuss him. None of the rest of us have done it. Don't belittle Peter that he sank. You haven't walked on water. You didn't have guts to get out of the boat when, when God challenged you to move out of your comfort zone and, and step out and do something. You haven't had the courage to do it. Don't curse Peter. Don't, don't belittle Peter. As long as he kept his focus on Jesus, he did good. But what happened? He saw all the distractions, the wind and the waves, the circumstances all around him. And when he focused on the circumstances and left his focus of Jesus, boom. He began to sink. But thank God, Jesus is good. And he said, Lord, save me. And the Lord saved him and put him in the boat. Some of you today are sinking. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like you're always behind, trying to catch up. You feel like you believe, always believe there's something more, but I can't quite get it. I can't quite achieve it. I can't quite get a hold of it. Why is it that you're always sinking? It could be that you're, you're distracted and looking at the circumstances or people around you, the wind and the waves, and you're distracted from focusing on the, what the Lord has for you. You cannot look at what others are doing and successfully follow what the Lord has for you. You have to have a relationship with Him. You have to know Him, and you have to follow what He said doing. If nobody goes with you, you have to make up your mind and say, I'm going. I'm going to do, I'm going to complete, I'm going to obey what the Lord has me to do.
You have to make up. You have to make that. The only way, and Jesus said it, the only way you can serve God is when you seek Him first. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The first thing of the day, it's not Instagram. It's not message. It's not, oh, building a habit. Three easy things to do to try it with verse of the day. Distractions. Don't pick it up. I hope I don't need those. Distraction. It's not Instagram, it's not emails, it's not text, it's not the weather, it's not the news. The first thing today should be, Jesus, I love you. I need you more today than I needed you yesterday. Lord, I want you more today that, Lord, have your will through me and, Lord, have your way in me. I don't do this as a, just a religious uh, thing, but I heard somebody teach on this, and I lose it every now and then, so I have to go find another one. But I keep a quarter in my pocket. It has no significance, the value of a quarter, 25 cents. But I keep this coin in my pocket in every day. It's not a religious mantra. It's not meant to be a religious routine. But I keep every day that I put this in my pocket, I stop. And before I put my keys or anything else in my pocket, I say, Lord, I put this coin in my pocket to remind me, let me be a coin, Lord, in your pocket for you to spend any way you want to spend today. That's not my whole or only prayer of the day. But that's my commitment. I mean it. And sometimes I have to say, Lord, I mean it. Now, I'm not just saying this because I said it yesterday. But, Lord, I mean this. Let me be a coin in your pocket for you to spend any way that you want to spend. And then the first day of the week, we're gathered here today to corporately worship and fellowship with him and each other. What are we doing in doing it? Punching a ticket? Say, God, I went to church today. Yippee. God, I gave money today. God, I even gave extra in the offering for Peru today. God, I even held a door for people today. Lord, I even gave my cup of coffee to that lady that was standing there behind me and let, so she could go first. What are, you, what are you doing here today? We're aligning our week so that God is first. That's the whole purpose of us gathering. Aligning our week, our priorities, our mindset, our spiritual temperature, that Lord, you're first. And then the first fruit of our harvest. We bring our tithe, we bring our offerings in order to honor the Lord, to say to Him, when you bring your tithe and you give offerings, you are saying, Lord, you own it all, you made it all, you gave it all to me. I'm bringing the part that you asked me to bring to you, the 10% or the offering, which is above that 10%. I'm bringing it to you, Lord, and I am recognizing and honoring you and showing you, Lord, you own it all, you gave it all, and, but Lord, I'm giving to you what you asked me to give. And I'm blessing you. And in doing that, I guarantee you, based on his promise, your 90% will go much further than the 100% when you give your tithe, when you bring your tithe to him. And when you give offerings to him, it's not a scripture, but it, the principle's there. I have really found it out. I know it's old. You cannot outgive God. Every time I've given to God, sometimes before I walk out of a building or a place or a conference or where I gave, somebody's chasing me down to give me money, or it's already in the mail. It's already, it was already in the mail. It was already en route. It had already gone through the post office and had the, the postage canceled on it. It was already en route to my house when I gave that gift, and that gift that I gave was exactly what came in the mail. How does God do that? Because he knows everything, and he's good. It's the first fruit of our harvest. We're here in the first few, first few days of the first year. What are we doing? Through this prayer and this fasting, we're setting aside time to honor him. So, Lord, this is your year, this is uh, your time, and, Lord, we're seeking your will. Not what we want to do, not our plans. Oh, yeah, we have a church calendar planned, and we have events planned, but it's all subject to him. 
He can come and interrupt anytime he wants. I don't even care if I preach or not. It doesn't matter to me. I'd much rather let the Holy Ghost and have the Holy Spirit move. He does a greater job quicker than I could ever do in a lifetime. We deny ourselves through this fasting. We're denying ourselves physical nutrition so that God can fill us with his spiritual strength so we can focus and know his will and his purpose. Amen? Amen. You never wander into righteousness. <laughs> you don't just stumble or trip upon effectiveness for the kingdom of God. You don't ever fall into bringing God glory, but you can do those things with a fixed purpose. It's not accidental, it's intentional. And that's what this time of fasting is. It's intentionally putting distractions aside. Some, some distractions don't need to be picked up again, folks. Some of them you need to leave off and you need to let God give you new habits and, and, a, new, and a new guideline for your life. And there, every demonic force is trying to distract you. I had battles in my mind in the first service while we, the worship and praise was going on. There was battles. There was attack in my mind. And I'm just constantly, I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Lord, how am I supposed to deal with this? Lord, it's affecting me. It's affecting my worship of you. I'm not focusing on you. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about what this person thinks. I'm thinking about all this other thing. Anybody, anybody going through any of that? I'm battling all that up here, trying to worship God. And the Lord said, unhook yourself from those things. And I just said, Unhook and start worshiping the Lord and focusing on Him. Distancing myself and diminishing distractions and focusing on what's important. Lord, you're, the, you're what's important. And then thirdly, listening to the voice of God. We diminish the distractions. We focus on what's important. And through the fast, we listen to the voice of God. You heard me say last week, fasting does not change God's mind about you. It does not increase God's love for you. Fasting does not move God. Fasting is designed for us to humble ourselves, deal with our flesh, tell our flesh, flesh, you're not king, flesh, you're not queen. Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to position myself that I can hear the Lord's voice more distinctly, clearly. And I'm humbling myself. Listen, I hate it. I'm being honest with you. I hate fasting. But I love the fruit of it. I love what it does in me. Not only do I fit in my clothes better, and I don't get pinched and out of breath when I bend over anymore, but the greatest thing is the relationship increases. Did God move closer to me? No, I moved closer to Him. I'm saying no to some other things and more yes to God. More no to the world, more no to what I want to do, what I want to go, how I want to spend my money, and more yes to God. I want to spend more time with you, Lord. Isaiah 30, 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, God is a God who is always speaking. Because I can't hear the voice of God. It's because you're not listening. It's because your life is so cluttered. It's because your life is so full of other things. If you would seek first the kingdom of God, and the scripture said, if we would seek him with all of our heart, we will, come on, find him. God knows when we're seeking him with all our heart, and he knows when we're not. He knows when we're going through a perfunctory prayer and just saying, well, I prayed and I didn't hear anything, so I'm going to go do. God knows. God knows when you're faking. 
God knows when you're just playing. And he knows when you're serious. And when you, listen, I'm not going through this fast just to lose weight or just to go through it. I've got to hear God. I want more of him. I want him, I see I said it, I want him to have more of me. I want him to have all of me. God possess me. God consume me. God take over. God take me to a new level. And that's what the Lord wants to do for us. He wants to take us to a new level. And the Holy Spirit will whisper to you, go this way, do this, don't do that. That's not best for you. This is the better way. Walk in it. And I pray, I have to pray, God, give me grace. Give me grace. Because I may not like what you tell me to do at first, but God, give me grace to do it. I have to pray that. I recommend that for you. Lord, give me grace to do it. Because when you seek God, you're going to hear Him. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through the voice of His Spirit. He speaks to us through a person, a magazine, a book, a song, a bumper sticker, a sign, or a circumstance. I am amazed, and there's many, many circumstances that I can remember. But one I really remember, when we went to Cameroon about the second year, they said, what is your purpose for coming here? The pastors asked me that. I said, I really don't know. I said, this is a God thing, and God sent us here. And so they said, well, so what's your purpose? What are you going to do coming here? I'm like, I don't know. So I came on, and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what, why are we going? You set this up. I didn't even want to go to Africa, God. I didn't want to go, but you set it up, so we're there. We've been there two years, so what's the purpose? And the Lord showed me they need training, the pastors. They need training, edu- Bible education training, because they don't have it. They come out of Catholicism. They come out of Jew. Jew Jew, voodoo, and all kinds of other ooze. <laughs> and they mix it all together, and whoever answers their prayer, that's who they go with, demonic or otherwise. And the Lord said, these pastors need training. And they were saying, we want you and Pastor Collins to come here a month and stay with us a month. We said, we can't do that. I mean, we're a little bit got some stuff going on here. We're not able to do that. And so I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know... I can't. I can't do what they ask. I can't go there and, and, and do it. Lord, how are we going to do it? And I, my prayer was, Lord, somebody, we don't have to recreate the wheel. Somebody has got something out there that can minister to them. I was at Judah Duncan's birthday party. I don't remember how old he was. I was at his birthday party, sitting there waiting for the activities to begin. I had not picked up a Charisma magazine. You're familiar with that? In years. A Charisma magazine was laying on the table there. I picked it up. I'm weird. I, I, if I pick up a magazine, I don't do it with a book, but I do it with a magazine. I always go to the back of the magazine and go to the front. I don't read it that way, but I look that way. And on the back of the magazine, the whole back cover said ISOM, ISOM, International School of Ministry. And I read that entire thing about the curriculum. It's in video format, DVD format, and they're in like over 60 languages. And here's what they teach, and here who's teaching it. And I sat there, and I read that, and the Holy Spirit said, uh, could this be your answer? On the back of Charisma magazine. I read all of it. I went online. I read all that they had online. I, took a, I, I called them up. I said, hey, this is, this is what we're trying to do in Cameroon, and this is our thinking process. Said, you know, they said, that's exactly what we do. We go into these nations, and we, we let them take this course. It's a, like a two-year uh, uh, Bible college course, and they, they have proven in Cameroon. They are so hungry for it. They do it in six months. And so we went and introduced ISIM to them. 
God spoke that to me. The Holy Spirit showed me on the back of a Charisma magazine, said, your prayer, this is the answer to your prayer to provide training for them. Since we've gone there, we've been there about six or seven times. We haven't been there lately in the last, I think, five years. When we took ISIN to them, my feeling was if we never get to come back, we have placed in their hands a tool, an instrument for them to have ongoing training. And they are. Pastor Benjamin just graduated 43 in ISIM December the 24th. It's ongoing. Praise God. God. God is a God that speaks. He can speak to you. If you're open and you ask, He is there with you speaking to you. Do this, go here, don't do that. Your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and your God is too good for you and I to spend our life on things that do not last. In 2019, I, I, I thought of this this morning. It may be not an effective illustration for you, but it's what the Lord showed me. If we were to go out, for some of you, this would be difficult. For some of you, it would not. It doesn't relate to you. But if some of us were to go out with your car, to your car with you today, or if some of you were to show up at your home unannounced today, you'd be very uncomfortable. You got french fries hanging out of your door. You got drink cups in the back, in the front. You got spills on the passenger seat. You got clothes from last week that were supposed to go either to the laundromat or the cleaner, still in the back seat. You've got a string that you used to tie up God knows what from a year ago, and, and you'd be embarrassed. If we were to show up at your house and walk in the front door, you wouldn't be comfortable. If you gave us full reign to go in your house, it would not make you comfortable. You'd be like embarrassed. You'd be ashamed. I want to tell you what. The Lord himself sees, not your car, not your house. He sees your heart. He sees your life. He sees your spirit. He sees what you're struggling with mentally. He sees the hate that may be in you. He sees the hurt that may be in you. He sees all the wounds that you're still carrying, wishing that revenge could happen to the person that's hurt or offended you. He sees it. He's not comfortable, and you're not comfortable if he visit you in that situation. But I want to tell you that, not, not to condemn you, not to make you feel bad. Today is your chance to get that out, to get that out of your life. As Pastor Larry comes, let me say this. You, this is very sobering, you and only you have the ability to choose what you're going to do with the opportunities that you have in 2019 to make your life count for what is most important for the kingdom of God and to affect others. Here's, I believe, the Holy Spirit's question. What and how are you going to choose? What are you going to choose to diminish the distractions, to focus on the important, to listen to the voice of God? Because closing, your life, it really is too valuable. And your calling, God's gifting in you, it's too great. And your God is too good for you to waste your life doing things that aren't going to last and don't really matter for eternity. Will you stand together with me? We did a song that I didn't get to you. You did a song. I think it was this. My heart is burning today. God, I don't know what all the answers are. God, I don't know, don't know where you're going to take us all together. I want so much for the Lord to I want the new that God has I want the fresh God wants to and, and 
God forbid that we enter into 219 saying, well, it's the same old thing and it's the same old church and it's a, it doesn't have to be. It depends on you. I want the fresh. I want the new. I want the more that the Lord has. I want it for myself. I want it for you. I want God to just rock this congregation that we win people to the Lord out of absolute lostness. I'm so proud of the team that went out yesterday. And you're invited to go out the first Saturday of every month. They meet here at 11 in the lobby, and then they go out wherever the Lord leads them. They intentionally went out yesterday to find homeless people. They found camps that the police had told them that homeless people live in, live out of. They took blankets. They took, I don't even water. They took a lot of stuff. They weren't successful in finding everybody. They wanted to find some of the camps had been vacated, but they were able to find some. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of that because that's exactly where Jesus would be if he was still on earth and you're his body still on earth. So, you know, you may not go out in a team, but you're welcome to do that. That's how Jesus sent them out two by twos. But God wants you, God wants to use you. And I say it in a good way, use you. That you will affect people's life in 2019 like never before. People may not smell too good when they come in here. They may not dress like you dress. They may not be church broke. (laughs) They may not know how to act. But Jesus died on the cross for them. And you and I have a mission and a commission and a responsibility. And I'm praying, Lord, I need a new, fresh baptism infusion of your love for you for people people are going to be won by love and when you love them God is going to use you to pray for them and they're going to get healed and they're going to get delivered and they're going to be set free and demons are going to come out and they're going to have a clear mind and their family's going to get back together and they're going to start being blessed and they're going to start having a job and they're going to start being productive and, and they're going to start being a vibrant Christian I want to see that so bad God's done it for you there's more out there in this city that aren't going to church anywhere they're free game. Father, touch us. I want the prayer teams to come, the ministry teams, all of you to come from AP and pastors, council, wives, spouses, prayer team folk. I want you to come, please, and help us today. I know the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. I know the Holy Spirit speaking to your hearts today. If I could be so blunt, I'm not trying to be rude or rough or mean on you. Every one of us, and those even listening, every one of us, needs to get rid of the distractions every one of us is probably dealing with distractions the charge what the Holy Spirit is telling us are you willing to get rid of it today and to move into 2019 with the freshness of the Lord Pastor Larry is going to lead us in this don't play a game with God this is an opportunity for you and I I guess the Lord reminded me of this scripture. I turned to it this morning and marked it, put my marker in it. In Acts chapter 3, it says, repent, change your mind. Don't just cry, repent, change your mind. Therefore, be converted so that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You've got to deal with the distractions of your life. 
before the times of refreshing can come from the Lord. You say, oh, I want God to bless me. Well, are you carrying stuff? You've got to get rid of it. Get rid of the distractions.